I just want to start out with a prayer this morning. Dear Father, I just thank you for all that you do for us, Lord, uh, for being in our presence, for sending your Holy Spirit, Lord. I just pray that you would help us with these messages this morning, Lord. And we can't do this without you, Lord. And we thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, God is good, isn't he? God is good all the time. And all the time... <coughs> God is good. Yes. Amen. Um, I, I want to thank God for my wife also for tolerating me for some of the things that I put her through. And, and uh, you know, uh, God has, has spoken to my heart also. And, you know, God saved me when I was in the military uh, years ago. It was back in 1985. Uh, he just came knocking on my door. And I am so thankful that he did. I answered that call, and I gave my life to the Lord. Amen. And it changed my life. It changed my life forever. And, uh, you know, I had a different outlook on everything in life. I, uh, the things that I learned, you know, as a child growing up, I, I wasn't uh, going to church, you know. I, I went every now and then, but I, I didn't really know God like I know him now. I didn't know Jesus Christ as close as I know him now. And I just thank God for all that. And uh, I want to start out with a, a little story. And this was about a, a seven-year-old girl wrote this. Is our, it was about her in Sunday school. It says, a seven-year-old was overheard reciting the Lord's Prayer during Sunday school. And forgive our trash passes as we forgive those who pass trash against us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. You know, I got to thinking about that, you know, and there is some truth to that, though. Because don't we pass trash sometimes to other people? Don't other people pass trash to us? Uh, I was fasting one day. And uh, I, I've never experienced this before. And I, I was on this fast, and I had a, a really bad attitude this day. And I could not shake this attitude. And, you know, my wife was texting me, and I'm texting her some mean stuff, you know. And I'm like, here, you know. Dude. And then she quit texting me, and it made me even madder, you know. And I'm like, oh, you know. And it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I, I was just thinking about how I was wasting my time fast. I thought, this is just a waste of time. I'm doing this in vain. I don't know why I have this attitude today. I just can't shake it. And I said, Lord, I might as well just go eat. And I went in the break room, got me some food. I ate. I walked out. And before you know it, I felt fine. That attitude was gone. And I'm thinking, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? You know? And the Lord looks at our hearts and the first thing in letter A on your bulletin is, I want to say, is do not pass your trash. Okay? I was passing my trash to my wife that day. And I shouldn't have done it. I knew I shouldn't have. But I went home and I had to apologize to her and tell her I was sorry. And I asked her if she prayed for me, and she said, yes. You know, you needed prayer. I said, yes, I did. <laughs> I didn't know what was wrong with me. I never experienced it like that before. But the Lord was teaching me something about attitudes and about our hearts. We can look good on the outside, but it's what's on the inside that matters to God. Amen? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, it says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, 
and then come and offer your gift. And that's what God teaches us, you know. If you, somebody, if you, if you have offended someone, go make it right with them. And then come back and offer your gift to God. Amen? Amen. And don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed mad. If you have a fight with your spouse or your kids, just tell them it's okay before you go to bed. Amen? Amen. And then letter B, God sees your heart. God sees my heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we know this when Samuel went to anoint David. Samuel was coming up to these sons of Jesse. Is this him, Lord? No. Is this him, Lord? No. And he finally says, Do you have any more sons? And there was David out in the field all by himself. And he brought David in, and the Lord said, that's him. But the Lord was looking at the heart. And we know David was a man after God's own heart. Amen. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So when we do good, we get good rewards. God has rewards for us up in heaven. We may not see them now. Sometimes we get weary, we get tired. We want to give up, we want to quit, but we got to keep going. We haven't reached that finish line yet. And in Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So do not give up, no matter how hard it gets. You know, you're going to be tried and you're going to be tested. You're going to be put through the fire sometimes. But don't give up. It's not over yet. Amen. Amen. Psalm 139.1 says, Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. The Lord knows everything about you. And that's my next one. And let her see, God knows you. He knows me. He knows you. One time in my life, uh, this was several years ago, I was Went through a bad time in my life. Has anybody ever went through a bad time? Yeah, I think all of us could raise our hand. And I, I had left the church I was at for certain reasons. There was a bunch of conflict going on. And I, I was attending a church down in Fort Wayne. But I just didn't feel like I fit in. You ever felt like you just didn't fit in? I was sitting in the back, just watching everything going on. And, you know, how we stand in worship. Well, there was none of that. People weren't raising their hands and stuff like that. And I was just like, you know, in my heart, I'm thinking, what's wrong with these people? Aren't they excited about God? You know, about what he did for us? You know, he didn't have to do it, but he did. And, you know, I want to give back to the Lord. And I went home and I was praying in my room. And I was just pouring my heart out to God. And I said, God, what is wrong with me? I, you know, I can't you know, fit in with these people, and I don't know what's going on. And I got invited to this lady's house, and she was having a church service on a Saturday night, and she had an evangelist uh, come there to minister. And 
he started ministering, and I was sitting close to him, and he looks at me, and he says, hey, you, come here. And I'm like, me? Yeah, you, come here, you know. So he invited me over to him, and I walk over, and he starts telling me a story, and he says, I went to this church one time, and I was sitting in the back, and I was looking around, but I felt like I didn't fit in. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> I said, yes, I do. And he told me, though, he, he spoke to my heart, and he said, God knows you. He knows where you're at. And he goes, there is nothing wrong with you. You have something in you they don't have. And I needed to hear that. I needed that word from God at that time. God kept me going. And that's one lesson from God I will never forget because he changed my life. He changed my outlook. He gave me the confidence I needed to keep going for him. Amen? Amen. Psalm 139.3 says, You see me when I travel, and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. God knows everything you do. When you go to China, he's there. Amen. When you come back, he's still there. Even though you're tired, he's still there. Amen. Psalm 139.14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know full well God is wonderful and his works are wonderful. Amen. Psalm 139.17, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. And I love that because God has good thoughts about us. In Jeremiah 29:11, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Amen. Amen. He wants good things for us. You know, and one thing I realized, too, about that experience with God was that I am different. I'm different, but it's okay. God didn't make us all the same. Yeah, I am who God made me to be. And uh, do you want me to be like you? Have you seen yourself? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Psalm 139, 23 and 24. And this is the prayer that I want us to pray today. Because God is our father, our heavenly father. He's our daddy. And he does correct us, right? And we want him to correct us when we're wrong, don't we? You want to correct your children when they're wrong. Why? It's not because you don't love them. It's because you do love them. So I want to uh, pray this, this Psalm 139, 23 and 24. and says, search me, God, and know my heart. Search us, God, and know our hearts. Test us, test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me. See if there's any offensive way in us, Lord, and lead us in the way everlasting. Amen. Amen. And Hebrews 12, 11, it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. We don't like being disciplined, do we? We don't like spankings. But sometimes daddy's got to spank us, you know. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Amen. So A, do not pass your trash onto other people. B, God sees your heart. And C, God knows you. He knows where you're at. Come on up, Bruce. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Just examine us. 
And Lord, lead us in the way everlasting. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sean. Very encouraging. Let's pray. Holy Father, I pray for your people here. And if there are people that are not yours here, I ask that you would work on their hearts, that you would bring them to you, and that you would strengthen them and fill them with your spirit, that you would strengthen them and give them the hope and that we would stop passing our trash. Uh, I pray especially for our, our, our married couples. And I ask, Lord God, that you would strengthen them. Lord, help them to fall deeper in love with one another than they've ever experienced before. I pray for the men. I ask that you would strengthen them and help them to be the pastors of their home, to be the priest of their house. And I, I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> when pastor asked me to uh, consider, you know, what I might have missed, I, I kind of scratched my head and I was like, well, I see after my first date with my wife, I lost her phone number. <laughs> and she had to call me back. Uh, I'm like, no, he doesn't want me to preach about that. Um, but I, I kind of want to take a deep breath and slow down because last night uh, I felt like I was giving people water with a fire hose. And, <laughs> and I, I don't want to do that again. I, I want to get to the point and stay on it. So what I almost missed was an abundant life in Christ. Through anger, resentment, a sense of entitlement, you know, I've done this, so, you know, you can get with me later and I can tell you more, but I'm not going to air all my dirty laundry. But in the end, it was a, a, a very sinful, horrible attitude. And I, for 10 years, missed the abundant life in Christ. Of course, the seeds were planted well, well before that. But John 10.10, 10, I want to I start there. Jesus said, let me find it, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Again, Lord, help me to stay on task, stay on time, and most of all, uh, just make this message hit people in their hearts in Jesus' name. So I almost mi missed the abundant life. And one of the things that I forgot was that we as Christians, we're at war. And I think often we live in a, a peacetime mentality. We act like we're living in, in peace. And we're at war. Uh, Paul is very clear. He says, just kind of condensed, that we're at war. We're at war with our flesh. We're at, we're at war with the world, and we're at war with the devil. It's a threefold battlefront that has to be fought constantly and has to be kept in, in the mind. Um, but we tend to go back to what we know, what we're comfortable with. You see, anger, that anger happened, started when I was a kid. I was always angry. I was always angry. I don't want to be that guy. So we go back to what we know. 
But Christ is clear when he says in John 10, 10, and 11, just like I said, the enemy is a thief. And he will destroy you in any way he can. So I have to say this, that all Christians must live an abundant life in Christ. And we need to understand that there are demands that are put on us as Christians. The gospel is full of declarations. You know, the gospel is, yes, he died on a cross. He came, he lived, he died on a cross, he rose again. He poured out his Holy Spirit. And, and we live in that. But there are many, many declarations throughout the gospel. And, and let, me, let me illustrate that by, by just saying that in Romans, Romans 1 through 11 is full. It's just chock full of all kinds of declarations of, of Christian Christianity. He lays out the gospel very, very clearly. But then, and, and then there's demands that are, that are salted and peppered in there. But it all comes to a conclusion in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where he says, Therefore, in the light of all these things, these 11 chapters, I urge you, I beg you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, one that is holy and pleasing to Jesus. And that this is your spiritual act of worship. To not be conformed to this world any longer, do not let this world press you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there are declarations and there are demands in the gospel. Sometimes I believe that, you know, we are saved by grace, by grace alone, through faith, in Christ alone. But sometimes I think we get way, way too passive in our Christianity. And as an old preacher says, we rest on our blessed assurances and, and do nothing from there. So the only way a Christian can live an abundant life in Christ is by faith and obedience to the demands that God in Christ puts on us. So my main passage, that I'm, and really it's only going to be the first few words that I want to preach from. I haven't preached yet, by the way. Is 1 Timothy 4.16. Now we know that Paul's talking to a young pastor. And he's giving him uh, qualifications and, and uh, how to live his life as a pastor. And qualifications for elders and pastors and, and deacons and so on. And he says this, Timothy, my son, keep a close eye on your life. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he says exactly. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing this you will save both yourself and your hearers. So the demand that I really want to focus in on today, because there are a lot of them, is number one, we have to have a watched life. We have to keep an eye on our life. We have to keep a close watch. It's not a passive watching, but it is a strong command. And then he says in point two, on yourself. We tend to have these blinders on, and I need to hurry up, but we often do not see clearly where we need to grow in Christ. So what do we do about it? Culturally, we're trained to be rugged individuals. But biblically, we're called to be a people together. Over a hundred times in the, in the New Testament alone, the Bible talks about living our lives together, of, of 
it's, it's a word, if you want the Greek word, it's all alone. It means living together. It means doing this Christianity together. And sadly, I think we're too individualized and we're easy to pick off that way. Yep. When we're a sheep outside of the flock, we're a dead sheep. So I need to, to focus in on, on some, some things that I feel like the Lord really put on my heart, and he always has put this in my heart, is that practically, practical Christianity, how we live our lives in Christ, is too passive. It's a fight for our lives. We are at war. Philippians 2.12 says that we're to work out our faith with fear and trembling. That's not passive. That's not passive at all. But we do become passive. And, and, and I, I want to tell you that if, if the most that we are consuming in our Christian life is coming from the radio and television, we're missing it. God has given us a Bible. He's given us a mind to be able to, and a, thank God, a Holy Spirit who, who will teach us and lead us in all things. So my time is up. But we generally do not read the Bible deeply for content and personal application. Folks, if you're depending on just what you get on Sunday to sustain you, you're going to be lost. You're going to miss it. Holy Father, I thank you for, for your people. I ask that you would strengthen them, that you would give us all a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might know you better that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and that we would know what the hope of our calling is and help us to live our lives together. In Jesus' name, amen. Still awake. Hard, hard to sleep with these great messages this morning. So uh, in order to explain what I almost missed. I kind of have to give you a little bit of backstory about myself. Um, growing up, I grew up in a Christian uh, household. My parents did their best to explain like the Trinity to me, tell me who God was. Um, they explained who God the Father was. Um, they explained who Christ was uh, as our Savior and the Son. Um, and then there was this Holy Spirit who was another person of God who kind of started the church, who helped start the church. And that was kind of my background. Um, long story short, I foolishly and deliberately walked the other direction as a teenager. But luckily, uh, we have an absolutely amazing God who revealed himself to me in a very major way. And he saved me from myself and uh, brought, brought me back. And also in, in bringing me back to him, uh, my wife was also saved through the experience. So when we first became Christians, my wife and I, uh, we, were, we were super on fire for Jesus. Like, we, we could not get enough of the word. Uh, we were going to church as often as we could. We went to worship services. We started joining small groups. We just, we were hungry. Um, and, but we didn't realize is that we were missing something in our lives. Um, my wife ended up having this dream one night uh, that we were praying over somebody like casting out demons or something like that. And that is not something we had done or even thought of doing before. Uh, we've prayed for people, we've prayed to God uh, personally, but we had never done anything like that. So she wanted to talk to pastor and ask him what he thought of it, the dream. 
So we went to a Saturday service, um, and then after service, we went up to pastor and kind of asked him, you know, what he thought. And he asked us if we had been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. And a little bit confused, I was thinking, well, we, we were baptized in water. But, um, and he explained that being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a little bit different. And he recommended that we go home and then we read the book of Acts. So we went home and we started reading scripture. Uh, we, we read Acts and we also read a little bit of, of the Gospel of John. And I want to share some verses that you, with you that we had found. Um, these won't be on the screen, um, but they're very important to read. John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. John 15, 26, when the counselor comes, whom I will send from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Acts 1, 5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. But then we found this verse, and this one will be on the screen. Acts 8.14-16, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. So this is a very important verse because if you'll notice, so the Samaritans were in fact Christians. They had accepted the word of God. They knew that Jesus was the Christ. They even went so far as to public, publicly declare that Jesus was the Christ by getting baptized in water. And yet they had not received the Holy Spirit yet. So you can be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit in you yet. So continuing on with my story, um, the next morning we wanted to go to church uh, with some friends in Fort Wayne. Can you guess what the sermon was about? <laughs> the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is my first point in the outline, it's baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, so at the end of service, um, they invited anybody who wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to come up and accept the, accept the Holy Spirit and be prayed over. And that's exactly what we did. And we received the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot more that went with that um, over the next couple of days. That's just absolutely amazing how God orchestrated the whole thing. But because of time, uh, we'll have to save that for another time. Uh, so what happens when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? To answer that, we can look at two verses. First one's Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So you will receive power. So power of the Holy Spirit, that's the second point in your outline. We can elaborate a little bit more on this with a second verse, which is 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by this one Spirit, 
to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits or discerning of spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So if you look at the very beginning of that, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Yes, the Holy Spirit can, can relate to you on a personal level, absolutely. I've had several prophetic visions, dreams, and, and even an, uh, a voice, and they've all come true, and I still have some that, are, that have yet to come true. Um, so he can talk to you at a personal level, but more importantly, the Holy Spirit allows us to more effectively minister to others. So how, how many people are familiar with treasure hunting as a ministry? Are, is anybody familiar with that? Hand, handful of people, okay. So for those that don't know, uh, treasure hunting is kind of a, a, a good way of getting in the practice of listening to the Holy Spirit for words of knowledge and then responding to that as well and taking action. Uh, so Isaac and Aaron Hauser had led a group called treasure hunting. It's where you go out and look for God's treasure, which is people. Um, so we had sat down and prayed and wrote down words of knowledge. Um, and as, as my group got together, these, these are the words that we came up with. Mail, Speedway, coffee, Walmart, arm in a sling, and cut off shorts. So very peculiar, uh, obviously. So after we got done praying, we were to go out and kind of look for people that might meet, meet these words of knowledge. So we went to Speedway first, I think. We didn't see anybody. We drove around Waterloo, didn't find anybody. Um, we had a little bit of time left, so we decided to go to Auburn, go to Walmart, and kind of look around there. So went there, and we weren't finding anybody. So as we were about to head out and start heading back, we were on the last, last uh, corner and started walking. And there in front of us is this guy walking, arm in a sling, cut off shorts, and he's walking along, and as, as we get a little bit closer to him, because we know this is probably the guy we need to talk to, you see him turn and take a drink of his Speedway coffee. <laughs> so we were like, this, this is the guy. And so we wanted to go up and talk to him and tell him, you know, what we were doing and that obviously the Holy Spirit wants to speak into his life, and, and God just wants him to know that he loves him and he's looking out for him. Um, and then as we're talking to him, his, his mom, who is sitting next or standing next to him, is just smiling ear to ear because you can tell that she's been trying to minister to him for a long time, but it, she wasn't getting across. So the Holy Spirit had to do, take a different method, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. So also one last thing before I finish up is the pastors here do not have a special Holy Spirit. So like Pastor Deal, Pastor Todd, Pastor Jeff, um, they don't have a special Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that's in them is the same Holy Spirit that's in me and the same Holy Spirit that could be in you. Um, so as I was looking for a verse to kind of sum up how important the Holy Spirit is in our walk, in our Christian walk, uh, I found this, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So 
obviously, I, I felt like God really put this on my heart as something that I had almost missed. And I feel like I also know that the Holy Spirit is talking to somebody this weekend because he wants to do something more in your life as well. Pastor, do you want to come up?